Lord bless you. If you are new to our church this morning, I want to welcome you. My name is Greg Johnson. I serve here as the lead pastor. We're so glad that you're here today, and uh, just trust that you're just sensing the presence of God. And uh, I want to encourage you to grab your Bibles and open up to the Gospel of Luke. We are a church that believes that the Bible is the Word of God, that His Word is the authority over our lives. And so everything that we believe, everything we preach, everything that we live comes from the written Word of God. Amen? So did you bring your Bible today? Yeah? Amen? How many brought your Bibles? Let me see your Bibles or your device that has a Bible on it. All right, why do you got to bring your Bible to church? That's right. You got to check, check me out, check out the preacher. Just because somebody says they're a pastor, a preacher, a reverend, a minister doesn't mean they're going to give you the Word of God. You got to bring it for yourself and read along and make sure they're giving you the Word. Amen? All right, so we're in Luke chapter 17 as we continue this series we've been doing on the miracles of Jesus. And today I want to look at the healing of the ten lepers. The healing of the ten lepers in Luke chapter 17, verse 11. It says, Now it happened as he went, as Jesus went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? Where are the nine, were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. So I want to talk to you today from the subject, Where are the other nine? Where are the other nine? So Father, help us today, Lord, as we look at your word. Lord, I'm asking you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to say what you want said. And Lord, that your anointing would be in this place upon every heart and every ear that is hearing, that you would give us that ability to discern and receive what it is that you're speaking into our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So in New Testament times, in ancient times, leprosy was the scourge of the world. Nothing evoked more fear or dread than those who were referred to as the walking dead. The sight of their decaying flesh covered with ulcers and sores, draped with tattered, filthy clothing, the stench of their body that was literally rotting as bacteria slowly consumed their, their muscle and their skin. It wasn't just hideous to see, it was highly contagious, which forced the victims of leprosy to live as outcasts from society in isolated colonies with others who were uh, so afflicted. 
which is where we find these men, these ten men who were lepers. It says in verse 11, Jesus encountered them in a certain village between Samaria and Galilee, meaning they weren't welcome in Samaria, and they weren't welcome in Galilee. These lepers were so dreaded, they were so disdained, the Jews didn't want them, the Samaritans didn't want them. They lived, these lepers lived in a place of perpetual rejection, probably in a leper colony. And this would be a place that that no one would ever go to. But verse 12 says, Jesus entered into it. Hallelujah. Did you get that? Come on, don't, don't just pass over that. This is the place no one would go to in their right mind because lepers were out of bounds. No one wanted to talk to them, be around them, visit them, or touch them. But it says Jesus entered into that place where they live. He made it a point to travel directly into this village. He went into this place where the lowest of society, the most rejected Those that had been abandoned, where they had been left, basically, to die. They were the throwaways. They were the the discarded. They were left to waste away on the trash heap of humanity. But Jesus entered into it. This is the God that we serve. This is the Jesus that we follow. Hallelujah. Which brings me to the first truth about this story that I want to highlight. No one is beyond the grace and the mercy of our God. No one. Everybody say no one. Jesus throws no one away. Hallelujah. Isn't that good news? Come on, tell somebody that. Jesus throws no one away. He throws nobody away. Hallelujah. Not like some of us who love to throw things away. I think that the world is made up of two kinds of people. Those who keep stuff and those who throw stuff away. Right? (laughs) I don't know which group that you are a part of. I'm a part of that. Which group group do you think I'm a part of? Come on, Jean-Marie. You're right, though. Actually, I am. I'm a part of the group that loves, I love to throw stuff away. I do. I love renting dumpsters. It's one of my favorite things in the world. Cleaning out attics, cleaning out closets, all the clutter, right? Just get, amen, get rid of it. Everybody say, get rid of it, right? See, that gets me excited, right? I don't just like, you know, throwing away stuff on bookshelves. I like throwing out the whole bookcase, That's just the way, that's the way that I am. I love throwing stuff away and getting away from clutter, right? If it's broken, if I haven't used it in the past year, if it doesn't have any purpose, what are we going to do? Throw it away, right? How many are a part of that group, the throw it away group, right? Yeah. Now, my wife, I told her I was going to tell you this, so she's cool with it, all right? My wife, she loves to keep stuff. She doesn't hoard. She's not a hoarder, okay? Let me make that clear, all right? She's not going to be on that TV show, okay? You're not going to see her there, right? But she's just the type of person that sees value in everything, right? I mean, I, I could throw a book in the trash, come back five minutes later, 
and the book is gone from the trash. <laughs> right? She's pulled old shirts, right? I want to throw it out, okay? A day later, I'll see it on a hanger under plastic hanging somewhere, okay? <laughs> right? She's got a cabinet of envelopes of all kinds of assorted sizes, boxes. She loves boxes. I want to throw a box away, but she'll say, no, you're not throwing that box away, right? Because she'll say, someday, <laughs> someday, you're going to need a box that's just this size and that deep and that long. You're going to need that, and you're going to, and she looks at that box that I want to throw away, and she sees purpose in it, right? And sure enough, the day comes, what, <laughs> The day comes when I'm going to need to mail something, and I'm going to say, man, I wish I had a box. And she's going to say, <laughs> I just want you to know, <laughs> you wanted me to throw this box away, but I've got the perfect, and sure enough, she'll disappear. 30 seconds later, she'll reappear with the perfect sized box that I need, right, to... Uh, to mail that. How many remember a couple of years ago, she did, we did that, that fundraiser for Nation Changers, the African, uh, we had all kinds of African clothing and we auctioned it off. Remember that, right? Guess where she got all that African clothing? That was stuff that I had accumulated over 20 years of going to Africa right? And, and I would get this stuff, be too small, it wouldn't, I, you know, I don't wear that stuff, and so I'd be like ready to throw it away, and she would t capture it all, and she would store it, and she stored enough of this stuff to where she could actually have a fundraiser and raise, I don't know how much, how much, 10? 10,000, she took it, right? So I was throwing it away, she saw purpose in it, and she made $10,000 out of it to help take care of orphans in Uganda, right? So this is where my wife is just like Jesus. All right? Jesus, don't tell me to preach. I know you. You're a, you're a, you're a throwawayer. I know you are. <laughs> Jesus throws no one away. Society might throw you away, your family might throw you away, your friends might, your own parents might throw you away, right? I know people, and you made too, where their mother tried to abort them before they were born. I know people, their father never speaks to them, wants nothing to do with them. But here's Jesus. He walks right into the leper colonies of our lives, and he looks at us, and he says, I see a future. I see a hope. I see purpose. I see value in this broken down, thrown away life. All this person needs is my touch, my grace, my mercy, and I can take this throwaway and make this throwaway into a vessel of honor that is useful for the master. Amen? This is the Jesus that we serve. Understand, if you're here today, listen, you are not you are not an accident. You are not a mistake. Your parents may not have planned you, but God planned you. You may have been told all your life that you weren't wanted, that you were, you know, you were just, a, listen, your parents they maybe didn't want you, but God planned for your existence. Amen? We have five kids, and they were all planned. We just didn't know when they were coming. <laughs> because God planned them. Amen? Hallelujah.
You're not a mistake. You're not an accident. You're, you're not without purpose or value. Even though you may have been told that and made to feel that all of your life, maybe even by your own family, understand that somewhere in the history of time, God had a thought a thought entered his mind, and that thought was you. And as soon as he had that thought of you, he fell hopelessly in love with the idea of you. Hallelujah, right? And no one and nothing could stop you from being created, from being born, from being here. Because despite what the world says or what your family says or what your parents have said or anyone else has said, God wanted you in existence and made sure that you were born. And here you are today. You are not a throwaway. You are not a wasted life. So listen, if you feel hopeless today, if you feel so far away from anyone who loves you or cares about you, like those lepers that are in a leper colony, look at what Jesus does. He sees your purpose. He sees your value. He sees that you are his creation, that you are his child. Hallelujah. Now listen, I know you might be here today and you might be messed up, but Jesus loves messed up people. Hello? He loves messed up people, all right? Come on, tell somebody. I know you're pretty messed up. You can tell them that right now because listen, Jesus loves messed up people because when he adds his grace into that mess, he can transform that life into something of purpose and value and hope and destiny. Amen? To Jesus, no one is a throwaway. Amen? Then look at this in verse 14. He says to them, go, show yourselves to the priests. Here's a second truth that I want us to take from this. If you want to be made whole, not only understanding that Jesus accepts you and loves you, that if you want to truly be healed and made whole, then you've got to get away from the places and the people who infect you and pull you down. And get connected to people and places that will build you up. Now understand something. <clears throat> Jesus could have just spoken the word and they could have been healed right there. Jesus didn't have to call them out and tell them to go to the priest. There's a reason why he sent them to the priest. And we'll get into that in a moment. right? He could have just, he could have just healed them right where they were. But understand that leprosy was extremely contagious. Right? extremely contagious. It was a bacterial infection. And Jesus was saying, if you want to stop being a leper, then you've got to stop living in the colony that keeps you infected. He's saying to us, if we want to be set free from the things of this world, the sin of this world, the things that hold us in bondage, then we need to also come away from those places, those spaces, and those people that keep pulling us back into that infection. Now, I remember when I came to Christ, there was a point when I knew that I could no longer hang out with the people that I used to run with. I couldn't do it. I couldn't hang out with the people that I would party with. And I, I mean, they, they had a lifestyle. They had a belief system, a worldview that ran contrary to and opposed and rejected 
everything that I was learning about Jesus and the Word of God. And staying around them, and I tried to when I first came to Christ. I tried to keep hanging out with my my friends from the world and going to those parties and, and being there in those environments, right? But staying around them kept infecting me with worldly thinking and temptations that kept pulling me back and pulling me down. I had to get out of that leper colony if I was truly going to be healed and set free. You hear what I'm saying? Listen, if you want to overcome drinking and drugging and and partying, you're going to have to get away from those people who are still doing it. You're going to have to stop going to those places, right? Amen? You're going to have to come out of that leper colony. If you want to overcome sexual promiscuity, which is so, we live in such a sexually charged culture. If we want to overcome that, then it means we're going to have to come out of those people, those places and those spaces that keep pulling us back into it, right? Young ladies, you're going to have to get away from those, those other young ladies who are, who are sensual and who are sexually active and who are chasing guys on social media by the things that they post and the way that they present themselves. You're going to have to, you're going to have to come out from among them, the Bible says, and become separate from them, right? Guys, you're gonna, young men, you're going to have to get away from some of those other young men who they talk dirty about girls and they send you porn over, over, over messaging. And you've got to get away from them. You've got to get out of that colony. You've got to stop watching that stuff on Netflix and scrolling through those videos and putting yourself in spaces and places that keep your mind infected with the things of this world. If you really want to become free, Amen. If you struggle with homosexual tendencies and you want to overcome, then you're going to need to get out of those spaces and those places that celebrate homosexuality and that keep inviting you back into homosexuality and tempting you to be a part of that lifestyle. You're going to have to come out of those places and spaces. If you want to overcome gender dysphoria, then you're going to have to get off of those channels on YouTube. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And social media and the people who keep telling you that you you need to trans yourself to truly be happy. Because that's the message of the world today. This is what Jesus told these lepers. He said, if you want to be made whole, you've got to get out of those places and those spaces that keep reinfecting you. It's like Jesus was saying, I could heal you today right where you stand. I I could do that, but if you stay there healed, you're going to get infected again tomorrow, and you're going to be right back where you were. Amen? Right? That's why I often say, you know, you can come down here and get prayed for at the altar, and we can lay hands on you, and and we can cast a hundred devils out of your life. But you know where those devils are going to go? They're just going to go right back to, the, to your car. They're going to sit in the back seat and just wait for you to get in that car, turn on your device, and start scrolling. Hello? Because the devil knows that as long as you keep going back to those places in those spaces, you can plead the blood of Jesus all you want. You can get prayed for all you want, but you're just going to keep reinfecting, reinfecting, reinfecting yourself, right? Listen, understand something. We're, we're living in a, in a culture today that is crazy. Has anybody noticed that? I mean, we're living in a culture that has lost its mind. I remember back in the 80s 
and the 90s and even the early 2000s, we were worried about things like marijuana and alcohol and quaaludes and getting high. Simple things. (laughs) But the drug of today is YouTube, social media, self-mutilation, and depression. Society is grooming young people with this pervasive sense of shame about themselves, grooming them to look into the mirror and hate and despise what they see. Grooming our young people, telling young girls, you know, a young girl will look in the mirror and she'll see herself and she'll tell her, as she looks at her image in the mirror, and she'll tell herself, boys will never like me. Girls, they think I'm a loser. If I could just change myself, if I could change my body, if I could change my gender, maybe get some some hormone treatment, maybe some surgery, and I could change the way that I look and change the way that I present myself, then maybe it wouldn't be so hard being accepted socially. A young boy, he compares himself to other young boys, and he feels so out of place, and he feels so weak and inferior compared to all those other boys. And he says to himself, he looks in the mirror, and he says, if I could change who I am, if I could become someone else, if I were, if I were a girl, then I wouldn't have to compete with the other boys. I wouldn't feel so inadequate and so weak and unaccepted by my peers. And then the world on YouTube and social media will tell them, yeah, 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 that's right. There's something deeply wrong and twisted about you. You need to fix yourself. You need to change yourself. You need to make yourself into something other than what God created you to be. And so the world is trying to pull the young. It's amazing. We used to, we used to try and tell young people that, that you, are, you are beautiful and wonderful the way that you are created, and you don't need to change anything about yourself. We used to try to tell our, our young people, you can love yourself just as you are. You don't need anyone's approval, anyone's affirmation to feel good about. But today we're telling them the exact opposite. We're telling them, no, you can't feel good about yourself unless you change these things, right? It's a totally backward, twisted message. The world has gone crazy today. Everybody say crazy. The world has gone crazy today. And the internet is full of these social media colonies trying to pull our young people in. Telling our young people, yeah, get some hormones. Yes, change the way you dress. Yeah, the way you look. Telling boys you need to put more makeup on your face, right? And call yourself something other than what you've been created to be. Get a new name. Get a new identity. And maybe if you do that, get a new name, a new identity, and change all these things about Then you'll feel good about yourself. Then you can be happy. Then you will be accepted. But let me tell you something. It's a lie. It is a lie. Oh, yeah, it sounds like an easy fix. Yeah, just change who you are. And we have this idea that if we could be that person over there and we become that person over there, we're going to feel better. But then when we become, they become that person over there, they find out that they're still just as miserable and just as unhappy and just as depressed and just as insecure and just as stressed and full of anxiety as they were on the other side. It's tragic to to read all of the testimonials about people who have transitioned their gender, and now they have detransitioned 
to try and get back to the original gender that they were born to be, right? And now their bodies are scarred and deformed and mutilated, and they feel worse about themselves. The world is telling us a lie. It is a lie. You will not find peace in hormone treatments. Your joy does not come from a surgical procedure. You won't be satisfied by changing the way that you look. What you are longing for, what you are seeking after, does not come from what you see in a mirror or because you have certain pronouns or because people treat you a certain way. What you are longing for, what you need, what you're struggling after comes only from a connection to your creator. That's what we have been created for. That's what we are wired for. And this is why so many people, their souls are, 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 are in turmoil, restless souls, unstable souls. And they think it's just, well, I'm going to do this, change this, do that. No, no, no. You were created. You were wired to be in relationship with the God who created you, the God who loved you, the God who sees value in you as you are, who sees purpose in your life as you are, who has a future and a hope for you as you are. Hallelujah. And through the touch of his grace and his mercy and his love, he wants to bring you through those difficult years and bring you to a place where you can stand with stability and security and confidence in the knowledge of who you are because God created you to be that way. Hallelujah. The world is lying to our young people. Amen. The connection to your creator. This is why Jesus said, show yourself to the priests. Now there was a command in the Old Testament. There is a process in place that if someone were to be uh, cured from leprosy, that they would go to the priest and present themselves. Why a priest? Because the priest represented their connection to God. Someone who had leprosy was perceived to be under a curse. It wasn't, it wasn't true. They had a bacterial infection, but that's the way that it was perceived. And Jesus knew that what we all need to be, to be healed and whole and well is a connection to your creator. And people would go to the priest and they would be affirmed by the priest to be accepted back into community because they're not cursed. Hallelujah. A connection, which brings me to the third truth, the last truth that I want to make here. If you want to be whole, you need to get connected to Jesus. Something interesting I want us to see here in this story. Ten lepers were healed. One leper was saved. It's possible to be healed, to be blessed by God, to go to the priest and be accepted in religious circles, but to never truly come to Jesus. That's what happened here. Ten were healed, but only one actually came to Jesus and was saved. This is what's indicated in the Greek words that are used here. Verse 14 says that they were cleansed. The Greek word there is katharizo. And it means literally to make clean, to purge, to purify. 
not only healed in the sense of cleansed from leprosy, they were considered pure in the sense of religious purification. According to the law, they were considered clean and accepted back into their society. Verse 15 says that when that one leper saw that he was healed, and the Greek word there is iomahe, it means to cure, it means to heal physically. He was healed in the true sense of the word. His leprosy was gone, completely, thoroughly, physically healed. But in verse 19, Jesus said something to him that he didn't say to the others. He said, your faith has made you well. And the Greek word there for being made well is sozo. And the word sozo means to save, to be saved in the sense of being saved from sin, being made a child of God, being delivered from eternal punishment. This same word, sozo, is used in Luke 19.10 when Jesus said, the Son of Man has come to seek and save, sozo, those who are lost. Ephesians 2.8, for by grace you have been saved, sozo, through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. In other words, Jesus said to the one who returned, you're not just healed, you're not just made whole, your faith has saved you. Hallelujah. The nine were healed to the extent that they were affirmed back into their religious community, but they were not reconciled back to God. That's why Jesus asked, where are the other nine? And for many people, that's all they want. Well, I go to church. I was confirmed. I was baptized. I had my first communion. I'm religious. Just ask my priest. But there's more to Jesus than just saying a prayer, getting baptized, being confirmed, going through some religious observance or sacrament. The Bible says that that one leper came back to Jesus and fell down at his feet and gave him thanks. It was a posture of humbling his life before God, of sincere worship and obedience to Jesus Christ. He didn't just get healed. He came back to Jesus and made Jesus Lord of his life. Hallelujah. Unlike the other nine who were happy, content to just have that religious experience, that wasn't enough for the one. He wanted Jesus in his life. Amen? Don't be like the other nine. Because there are some here today, I dare say, that are like the other nine. God has done wonderful things in your life. God has done wonderful things in your family as you sit here today. You're thankful for how he's blessed you with your job, your career, your education, your finances. We have so much to be thankful for. Amen? Amen. So much to be thankful for, right? So we sit here today recognizing how we have been blessed by God. Maybe even recognizing, yes, I'm religious. Yes, I've gone through these religious rituals. Yeah, but you have not yet come to Jesus like this one leper and bowed your life before Jesus and called him master and Lord of your life. Not just talking about praying a prayer, talking about making him Lord of your life to where he's the one in charge. Hallelujah. He's the one you obey. 
He is first in your life. His word rules your life. Does everybody know what I'm talking about? Make him ruler and authority over your life to where what you feel and what you want and what your preferences are don't really matter. What matters is what his word calls us to do and to be. Yes? This is what the 10th leper did. And this is the question Jesus asked of him and all of us. Where are the other nine? Let me invite the worship team to join me up here. Where are the other nine? It's a question that I ask us to consider today. Are we among the other nine? Content to go through some religious experiences? Do you know that coming to Mission Church on Sunday morning every week at 9 o'clock can be religious? Hello? You know, it can just be... Because being religious is simply being more concerned about the form than the heart. Being more concerned about the external, the show outwardly, than what's going on in here. Right? And there are a lot of people who come to church every Sunday morning religiously thinking that because they just showed up and because they just stood there during worship and because they sat there nicely during the sermon that they checked off the religious box for the week and now they can go out Monday through Saturday and live any way that they want and do anything that they want. It's okay because I went to the priest and got my religious box checked. Jesus is saying, don't be like those nine. Don't be content with religious experience. Let's be the one who came back to Jesus. Amen? The one who came back and said, Jesus, you're Lord of my life. Your word rules over my, not this world, not the people of this world. You are Lord. You are master of my life. Amen? And truly give him thanks and praise for all that he's done. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. Thank you, Father God. The Lord, we can see in this story the love that you have for mankind. Even though we're sinners, even though we're lost, Lord, you love us. And Lord, you pursued us right into that leper colony of our lives, Lord. You came after us, God. Hallelujah. Knowing that the only hope for our life was a connection with our Creator. And so, Jesus, you went to that cross and you provided an open door that we could connect to our Creator, that we could be delivered from the craziness of this world through the love of God. Lord, I pray, God, you'll bring us to that place of full surrender to you. To not just be like the nine going through the motions, but to be that one who says, Jesus, you are Lord of my life. You're Lord of my life. Hallelujah. I wonder if you're here today, maybe you've been attending this church for a while and you've never really made Jesus the Lord of your life. Going through the motions religiously every Sunday. I'm going to lead you in a prayer to do just that, to acknowledge his lordship over our lives. And then we're going to close with a moment of worship where we truly express that he is Lord. Amen? 
So let's pray. Heaven, let's repeat this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner saved by your grace. And I want more than to just be saved. I want you to be Lord. Come on, lift up a hand to the Lord right now. I want you to be Lord of my life. Come on, lift up that other hand to the Lord and just tell him, Lord, I surrender to you. I surrender my life to you. I want you to be Lord. I want you to take authority. I give it all to you, Lord. Come on, say it to the Lord. I give it all to you, Lord. I give you my life. I trust in you. I surrender to you. I serve you, Lord. Come on, this is worship right now. Come on, step into this moment of worship. Lord, I give you my life. I give you my all. Lord, be my God. Be my King. Be my Master. Be my Lord. Hallelujah. I give it all. I give it all to you.